0: Welcome to another episode of Ripping Hoops, Carson. We are in the middle of the first round. Some crazy playing games, some crazy first-round games. Why don't we just wrap up the playing real quick? What do you think?
1: Yeah, start with the playing. how it kind of just ruined my Friday night. Really the only thing that the Blazers were implied in the playoffs, and it kind of just got ruined. Uh so, yeah, let's get started off with the Pelicans and Clippers.
0: You want to skip all the way there?
1: Yeah, we don't even care about the other ones.
0: Uh, you're probably right, but just for the quick recap, Nets beat the Cavs pretty handily on the first day by seven. The Wolves then beat the Clippers by five in a pretty crazy game. Pat Bev got pretty heated, and a girl glued her hands to the floor. The next night... The Hawks beat the Hornets by 29. Lamelo was not good again, just like last year's plan. But no hate on him. I like him. Just something to note. And then the Pelicans beat the Spurs, and Blazer fans were saying, it's okay. Pelicans still got to beat the Clippers on Friday, and they'll beat him. So then Friday morning, we wake up. Paul George has COVID. He was symptomatic, and he got tested, and he was positive. So Pelicans Clippers weren't feeling too good about that. Um, we watched the Hawks make a comeback against the Cavs in Cleveland, with Jared Allen returning and Trey Young went pretty nuts, did a little shimmy on the Cavs and put his team right into the playoffs. And then the one we want to talk about: Pelicans Clippers. What was the score? Pelicans were were down. I mean, we're up like 18 in the first half. The Clippers were terrible.
1: The Clippers were so bad in the first half. It was, it was like watching a YMCA basketball game. They had no point guard play. They couldn't dribble the ball up the court. Um, and they're going against the Pelicans, who aren't really stout on defense besides Herbert Jones. Um, yeah, it was, it was really ugly to watch. Then the Clippers, like we've talked about uh, this whole year, team of a comeback so they made a comeback outscoring the Pelicans 38-18 to in the third Um, so I thought uh, they kind of had it wrapped up and then the Pelicans went on a little run CJ I mean CJ wasn't really even involved in that game really he kind of was he was the main component of their win against the Spurs Um, but if there was someone to kind of backstab the Blazers in the back it was you'd think it'd be CJ or ingram or Valentunis, but it was it was larry nance of all people
0: yeah larry nance 14 points 16 boards in that game had a ton of putback dunks um he was seven of eight so efficient in that way seven offensive rebounds one stop one steal one block like you said cj not terribly involved he had 19 points on nine of 24 shooting so he, he did shoot a lot but he didn't score a lot and yeah it just I don't really know how the Clippers lost it. They were up like 12 at some point, either late third or early fourth. Kind of thought it was over. But the guy who really didn't look involved, I mean, Batum played well. The guy who really wasn't involved was uh, Norman Powell. I mean, he wasn't great either.
1: Yeah. Very inefficient from the field, 6 of 16. Uh, Was shooting a lot of terrible shots in the first half. All of them were really taking terrible shots. Um, I don't know how they went down by 30 points. It didn't even look like they could dribble the ball up the court in the first half. Um, They sat Reggie Jackson down for two minutes, and they realized that nobody could bring the ball up the court. So Reggie Jackson played the whole game um, as the point guard. So, yeah, it's very, very upsetting. Um, The Blazers uh, losing that pick might have been traded, could have been involved in a Jeremy Grant deal. Uh, could have been involved in another deal. Um, thoughts of getting a guy like Jeremy Sohan out the window now. So it's uh, it's just not it's just not great. I, I I did not sleep good on Friday night. Let's just say that.
0: Is that now a twenty twenty five Milwaukee Bucks first?
1: Which yeah, which is gonna be like maybe the thirty probably. Knowing 2025, there might be a couple expansion teams in there. They might be like the 31st or 32nd pick.
0: Yeah, and if there's only 30, probably 26, 27, 28, 29, 30. But not good for the Blazers. Really kind of blows up all of our rebuilding plans and makes you take a step back and say, we really didn't get any first-round picks when we gave away Powell, Covington, CJ, and Nance. It's tough. Yeah. When you
1: think of just giving away CJ, who's – I don't, I don't top ten blazer of all time. Just thinking of what he's done, credentials and stuff like that. Uh, what he's done for the city and all that kind of stuff. Uh, for CJ, and you can throw Larry in there too. But for only getting technically Josh Hart, um, who's a good piece. Uh, but the other players in that deal are Didi Lizonia, who is gonna be on the team next year as someone who doesn't play like a Blevins role or not on the team, and then um, a guy who's aging and expiring in Joe Ingles, even if we sign him back. So to think that we really only got Josh Hart for CJ, I guess it got money off the books, but it's not a fair trade when you think about it.
0: No. I mean, no disrespect to Josh Hart. You know, everyone knows we love him. We love his defense. He put up some numbers in his limited time with the Blazers, but that's just not enough. You'd expect at least a pick for CJ alone. And then the CJ deal doesn't bother me as much as the Powell Covington one. I just don't get how you only get justice Winslow for those guys. It doesn't make any sense to me.
1: Yeah. Cronin wanted to make a splash trying to make his GM mark and, uh, I, I credit him for taking some risks. Um, it's just the risk kind of went 0 for 2 for him. Um, yeah, I don't know where he goes from here. I see he seems to be in pretty good spirits with the team that he has, with Dame trying to rebuild it. Um, there's no word of him uh, if anyone's coming in to step into that role. But, yeah, he took a couple risks, and uh, so far he's kind of – Kind of over
0: two. Yeah, I think it's hard. It's a tough, it's a tough criticism because we did have to get really unlucky. In order for this all to happen, the Lakers had to just completely lose all of their chances, all of their games to get in the playoffs. Anthony Davis comes down with a freak injury. LeBron gets injured as well, even though they were probably already done at that point. And then Pelicans sneak their way in, beat the Spurs. Paul George gets COVID. And then they make a huge comeback in the fourth quarter. So it really sucks. It's probably a reason why we should have tried to build in some insurance that would get the Lakers pick instead if this situation came about. But regardless, I still think that the path the Blazers are on is good. Rebuilding was a good idea. I just think we could have done a better job of it. But we'll see. Um, I think the expectations were already a little bit higher than I thought, even if we had that pick. But – I definitely think it hurts our chances of making two big moves rather than just one or drafting a top guy
1: yeah i was I was really excited of getting maybe a long lengthy guy like Sohan yeah. um in like that ten to twelve range um, and now there's really no chance of getting him unless um, some trade happens, a pick swap or something that's unrealistic to really happen um so yeah, it's just it's just uh, we the Blazers can just never have nice things, it seems like.
0: Yeah. I agree. But um that wrapped up the playing game. So tough night for Blazers fans, but still I went to bed excited for the next for the games the next day. It is tough, but still love watching them. Um first game on Saturday was Jazz and Mavericks. I say we just go and talk about both games of each series at a time, if that works for you. So uh first game Jazz beat the Mavericks ninety nine ninety three. As you probably know, Luka Doncic did not play in this game and did not play in the second game. The Mavericks did list him as doubtful for the second game. I don't know if there's really a chance he comes back in the series, maybe even in the next two games, or if they're just kind of saying that to keep the Jazz guessing. But
1: I think his injury is a little bit more substantial than people are letting on. To it's a calf, it's a calf strain, but I think it's a little bit more than that. Um for a guy that's going to be dribbling, handling the ball, running up and down the court, handling the offense, I think um, it's going to be – it's going to hurt him more than maybe someone that just kind of spots up and sits in the corner. Um, but, yeah, it, I think it's a little bit more of a serious injury than people are leading on to. Um, yeah, in the first game, it kind of was just Donovan Mitchell and uh, Bogdanovich kind of controlling the show on offense. Um and a lot of – kind of the most defensive game probably played throughout the, the uh, postseason so far, having both teams under um, 100 points.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, like you said, Bogdanovich, 26 points on only 11 of 20 shooting, so pretty good field goal percentage. And then Rudy Gobert, 5 points, 17 rebounds, did play 36 minutes, so he was able to stay on the floor in a win. And then Donovan Mitchell, 32 points, um, 10 of 29 shooting, so not a great night. And then they got a little bit from Jordan Clarkson off the bench, but nothing too notable. Um, I think it was kind of concerning to me when I watched this game that the Jazz were only beating the Mavericks by six, even though they were on the road. Because I don't know about you, but I just think that the Mavericks are getting so much more out of their players than the Jazz are. The fact that the series is 1-1 at this point, and that these games have been so close. Like the Mavericks roster has no business being in a series with the Jazz, but they are.
1: Well, I think that there's a lot of turmoil going on in that Jazz locker room um, with guys maybe butting heads, rumors that Mitchell might be on his way out, um, rumors that even the coach, um, Snyder, might be on his way out. seems like a lead candidate for the Lakers. So, um, you know, it seems like they've been butting heads forever with, Mitchell and Gobert since kind of when COVID started, when that – I mean, you can say that Rudy Gobert kind of started the, the COVID protocols and all that kind of stuff. Um, but, yeah, uh, the they in Dallas, they're, they're depending a lot of minutes on a lot of key guys. You see both of their wings, Finney Smith and Bullock played over 44 minutes. Um, Brunson and Dinwiddie playing over 35 minutes. Um, same when that comes in the game 2 we'll talk about it as well. But yeah, um, a lot of minutes are going to be run on Dallas. I still think that if Doncic doesn't play in any more of these games, I still think that Utah has the advantage. Um, I think they've been there before. They have a little bit more experience. Um, I don't even – if Doncic is hobbled, I don't know how that reacts to it. But I think this series is probably going to go six or seven. Um, depending on if Doncic plays. Um, kind of depends on who's really going to win, but I think it goes six or seven still.
0: So. Yeah, I feel like it might go six or seven regardless.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. I think it goes six or seven, um, yeah. but I, can, I think Doncic playing kind of depends on who wins the series is kind of what I mean.
0: Yeah, if Luka comes back even hobbled, I think they'll win the series pretty handily. Because Luka... Like you said, obviously it's a tough injury and it's probably more serious than they're leading on. But Luka is one of the few guys that I could see playing like while only walking. <laughs> like that dude just slows the game
1: down, half-court offense. Walks. Yeah, instead of instead of Luka, maybe they just have Luke Doncic out there and maybe yeah. they can still pull him to victory. Yeah, just
0: passing the ball around, dissecting the defense. But as far as the guys who played, Spencer Dinwiddie had 22 points and Jalen Brunson 24. So obviously someone's got to score in that game, but it just wasn't enough. Um, going into the second game, this was one I wasn't sure about. Second uh, Mavericks-Jazz game. Well, why don't we just stick there? That game was tonight. The Mavericks won 110-104, to 104, um, so a higher-scoring game behind 41 points from Jalen Brunson. Um, Maxi Kleber also had 25 and was really hitting a lot of big shots. seems like over and over the Mavs were just finding three-point shooters in the corner and the Jazz were leaving them.
1: Yeah, a lot of uh, help defense from Utah that kind of led to a lot of open shots for uh, Dallas. Um, Like you said, Brunson, 41 points on 25 shots, very efficient, also had eight uh, eight rebounds and five assists, so was getting it all done. Got his had got his wings involved in Bullock and Fannie Smith. Both had three three pointers. Um, Maxi Kleber had eight three pointers, so spreading the wealth around. Um, and then when we look to the guys that were kind of scoring for uh, Utah last game in Bagdanovich and Mitchell. Bogdanovich still efficient from the field, 25, but Donovan really struggled he still he had 34 points but on 30 shots so really inefficient and then a guy that just ugh, just came just destroyed them offensively like in a bad way um mike conley was awful in this game um terrible that he was played off the court almost was getting destroyed by brunson on defense um was oh for seven from the field so had he had no points. He didn't score a bucket. He didn't score a, a free throw. He was kind of just taken out of the game. Um, and they kind of played Clarkson in that role, and Clarkson is not known for his defense. He's kind of in there to be a spark plug. Um, so that's where this game kind of got a little bit out of hand, and Dallas had uh, Dallas kind of ran them out of the gym. I mean, it was only six points, but uh, Dallas just – it was more of an up – Up pace game where that kind of favors Dallas more than it favors Utah is what I'm trying to say.
0: At least the Luka with Dallas, it does. Yeah. but uh, Yeah, Gobert again. um, Only eight points, so 13 combined points in two playoff games. Not making a great case for himself um, as far as a playoff guy. I know he is definitely a rim protector and a good defender, but I just don't think he's ever really proved anybody wrong in the playoffs. Um, As far as Mike Conley, I think I said on this podcast last week that Mike Conley is, or that Jalen Brunson is much better than Mike Conley, and I think some people might have taken that and been, oh, really? But I think Jalen Brunson's really underrated. A lot of people don't know who he is, and he is just miles better than Mike Conley at this point. Um, He's just quicker. He's more offensively talented, and I mean, maybe not as savvy as a veteran defender, but obviously much better. One interesting thing is that the starters for the Jazz all were negative, Um, some minus 19 plus minus, minus 16, minus 10, minus 14, minus 7, and then their bench, Daniel House Jr. was plus 17, and Hernan Gomez plus 14. Um, Clarkson had 21 points off the bench on 8 of 11 shooting, so bench was pretty good. Starting on it just wasn't, and um, a lot of that could just be that the Dallas bench didn't play good with Berton Jungian, but thought that was interesting. Um, 1 1 well,
1: Yeah, I mean, Dallas' bench isn't going to be very good because a lot of them are playing. Well, I mean, one of them's in the starting lineup now, but their main guy off the bench, um, you know, is probably going to be Dinwiddie um, running, that def- uh, running that second show. And he's kind of had to step into the offense because Luca hasn't been able to play. Yeah.
0: But one um, one going back to Utah, I imagine my prediction is that Utah wins the next two games at home, and then Luca comes back for Game Six, ties it up, and this goes to seven, and the Dallas wins. But really depends on the health of Luka. I don't, I don't exactly know.
1: Yeah, I totally agree.
0: Um, next game on Saturday was the Wolves Grizzlies game, and like we talked about, this is going to be an exciting series, and it was an exciting series. But didn't turn out the way most people thought. Um, Grizzlies heavily favored in this matchup, both the series and this game individually, and they lost 130 to 117. The protests against the Timberwolves owner continued as someone chained themselves to the basketball hoop this time.
1: Well, this is this is a question I have, uh, uh, I have for you. Are you more excited to see how far Minnesota goes in the playoffs, or are you? Like as a team, or are you more excited to see how far they go into the playoffs to see how many cities can uh, lead to a protest?
0: <laughs> so it's actually the same group of people.
1: Yeah, but, but I think it's because of, it's, it's in Minnesota. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's like the first one was in Minnesota. Lady super glued her hand to the floor kind of don't get that i feel like if she wanted to make a statement maybe she super glued her face or something to the to the ground i think that would have been harder to kind of get off than just her hand um but uh the second one it seemed like she was there for like 10 minutes and nobody know who she was, yeah, they were and she was yeah and she just chained herself to the to the basket um i like this one a little bit more i don't I'm not body shaming or anything, but it was a little bit more funny when the the, the second girl was a little bit bigger. Um, <laughs> and, uh, it seemed like it was a little bit more trouble to kind of get her out of the gym. So I thought it was a little bit more funny. Um, but yeah, I don't know, uh, how, if, how long Minnesota's in this, uh, this tournament in the playoffs, how many cities, uh, we're going to get the chicken protests for. So, yeah.
0: yeah. And, I mean, obviously, Carson and I are taking the politics out of it. Um, it's not like a terrible thing to protest. Just the way they've been protesting is very interesting, and I yeah,
1: think- and very, very, very expensive for uh, uh, a group that I guess isn't that popular. Um, you're thinking about in two games, getting courtside tickets to playoffs, play-ins, and then kind of just in the middle of the game, just, just, you know, doing what they're doing. I uh, so.
0: she wants to say that like the problem with their protest is that she brought so much attention to herself because of the way that she glued her hands and then the other one the chain but then again we we do all know about the uh wolves owner killing a bunch of live birds now so it's not like she did a terrible job it just was very bizarre but um as for the actual game anthony edwards i know you want to talk about that later so let's let's hold off for a second but uh Carl anthony Towns actually played well in this game. He was terrible in the first game. We didn't mention that, but probably the worst game of his career. 11 points, fouled out, Um, was whining the whole time. In this game, second game, had 29 points, 13 rebounds, and um, three assists. And then Pat Bev, normal game. D'Lo was terrible, 2 of 11 shooting, which is kind of scary for Memphis, given that Minnesota still beat them with one of their better players shooting terribly but on the other side Malik Beasley had 23 points so that was a big boost they got. Um, Do you want to talk about Edwards now or do you want me do you want to go over Memphis first?
1: Oh we can talk about Edwards so I think I texted you uh, I think Anthony Edwards is kind of turning into like the new drug of basketball just watching him as like a drug like how he's kind of just so fun to watch, exhilarating um, he has a lot of highs he doesn't have that many lows, but the lows are pretty low, but his highs are just so like i don't know it's just he's 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 great and fun to watch um, he's a very efficient shooter from three um, he can knock down uh shots off the dribble um off the screen he can come off seals he can dunk with the best of them uh he's turning into one of my favorite players in the nba and i feel like he is going to be uh one of the most fun people to watch in the nba for years to come um i think he's one of the most exciting players in the nba
0: are you having withdrawals because you can't watch him for the last two days
1: yes definitely
0: all right it's a drug then but yeah like you said incredible player 36 points um two blocks and a steal so doing it on both ends he doesn't get nervous for games at all he commented on how the kids in memphis tell him he sucks and he thinks it's so funny and he's just there for the moment dude's always smiling he thinks he's the best player in the nba and he will probably end up being in that discussion top 10 in his his career if i had to call it now i'd say he's gonna be a superstar yeah
1: yeah uh, and another guy for the Timberwolves. Um... My uh, 2K best friend, who played 2K all the time, Malik Beasley, had a great game. 25 points off the bench. Um, 23, but yeah. 23, yeah, but uh, very efficient. A guy came from Denver. Uh, another spark plug off the bench. Um, he had a great game. Wouldn't surprise me next game that he might only have two points. He's one of those kind of guys. Um, but yeah, it helped them in this game, uh, very much, uh, when, uh, D'Angelo was not as best D'Angelo actually averages his most points per game this year against Memphis. So kind of surprising. Um, and it's kind of shocking, uh, for Memphis that, uh, they kind of stopped a guy that they hadn't stopped all year. Um, but the other guys kind of stepped up for Minnesota.
0: Yeah, and on the other side, for Memphis, I think the main problem was, for one, Stephen Adams just getting played off the floor by Carl Anthony Towns. Not really effective at all. Only played 24 minutes. I think they might look to go to Xavier Tillman in future games. He's a little bit quicker for Towns. Um,
1: And your boy, boy Brandon
0: Clark. Brandon Clark was great. Brandon Clark has been good since I've watched them this year. Um, 13 points, 12 rebounds in this game um had two steals as well was really running the break and six or seven shooting so always efficient from him not much else from their bench um but as far as the starters jaron jackson jr only played 24 minutes because he was in foul trouble he had seven blocks in 24 minutes
1: but uh yeah jaron jackson's a guy that has so much potential but he has always had foul trouble problems especially in playoff series last year uh, same type of deal where he would just get in foul trouble in any, uh, in every kind of playoff or play-in scenario. Um, he has so much talent in the world. He just can't keep himself on the floor if it's injuries or just foul trouble. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting matchup. Uh, like you said, Stephen Adams, not very efficient. When he's on the floor getting – I mean, Carl Anthony Towns can bully him um, – outside the paint inside the paint so it's not a good matchup uh for him as well so yeah leaning towards guys like brandon clark xavier tillman uh jackson so guys that are mobile that can stay with him. i think is the way to go might see more minutes from kyle anderson and those type of guys for sure
0: yeah i think brandon clark should start um at least on, should start. I don't know if he should start on Cat, but he should start. I think they uh, – smaller centers often do well on Cat just because they can keep up with him. Um, but just to recap also, Dylan Brooks, 24 points. John Morant, 32 points. Um, was 16 of 20 from the line. So the Memphis Grizzlies had a lot more free throws than the Wolves and still lost. Um, John kind of was forcing his way in there a little bit when I saw and. Not not really getting... I mean, he got the calls, obviously, but not really getting a ton of help from his teammates kind of at the end of the game. It was just force, force, force from Jaw, And I didn't really blame him at that point. But this is definitely one that I think is going seven. Um, I was thinking Memphis in five, but after the first game, I think this is going to be a tough series for both teams.
1: Yeah, I think I picked Memphis in five, too. Um, I still think Memphis has... Uh, the better team. Um, I just don't know how that their bigs kind of match up. They got to figure out how they're going to match up with towns. Um Vanderbilt's not really an offensive uh, score they need to worry about. Um, so it's kind of just how they're going to contain uh, towns. I think that's the biggest thing in um, kind of figuring out offensive defense. Uh, with their big guys, because their guards and wings can kind of score with um, with them. Um, so, yeah, I think it comes down to their bigs, and uh, Taylor Jenkins is a Coach of the Year finalist for a reason, so I feel like he's going to find a way to get uh, something out of those guys and try to contain uh, carlin e. Towns the best that he can.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I still have confidence in the Grizzlies, and I'd be pretty disappointed if they lost the series because it, I want to believe this team that was good in the regular season and that moves the ball and that has good chemistry and that has a good bench. I want to believe that they will have playoff success, but we'll see. Uh, moving on to the next game, Sixers and Raptors. In game one, the Sixers won 131 to 111, so a 20-point win. Um. Really, what stood out to me in this game was Tyrese Maxey. I think that's who stood out to most. Maxey had 38 points, Harden 22, Embiid 19, Tobias 26. So the Sixers got a ton of help from their non their non big two stars in this game. Um, Harden also had 14 assists. But I think that Maxey, on the same way, same, on the same level as Edwards. Obviously, Maxey's not as good as Edwards now, but they're both kind of breaking out. Um, and guys that I think will be All-Stars, Anthony Edwards maybe even next year, but All-Stars in the next three or four years for sure. Um, Maxie maybe maybe a little too early to be saying that, but he was good again tonight, so I think it's definitely possible. Um, and then on the Toronto side, obviously, Scotty Barnes going down. Um, just played 31 minutes tonight and played well, but Joel Embiid landed on him. so
1: Yeah, that's a lot of weight falling on a ankle that was already getting rolled up. So yeah. I don't even know if we see Scotty the rest of the rest of the playoffs, even if they kind of get back into the series. It looks like something that uh, is going to be hard for him to come back from.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Um, Gary Trent Jr. also didn't play too well in this game and then was doubtful for game two with the sickness, but ended up playing. Um, yeah,
1: Gary, Gary was throwing up uh, before the game in the middle of the game. uh, It's non-COVID related, but uh, he didn't look like himself. He didn't play very good. He didn't play very good tonight either. So I think he's just fighting a bug, um, which kind of stinks because they don't have a lot of off-the-dribble scoring options besides Van Vliet, really, and Pascal. But Pascal's not really a three-point shooter. So it kind of stinks to have their off their off-ball to guard kind of not be 100% as well. So,
0: Yeah, I mean, I think if he's not back, this series is pretty much over as far as Scotty. And then hopefully Garrett gets better quickly and they can steal game three. And maybe Scotty feels better than we think. But it looks pretty – the chances look pretty dim for them right now. Siakam has been impressive, in my opinion, in both games. He looks like he can finally create his own shot. Um, not just going to the spin move every time, but other guys that um, I just wanted to, I was taking some notes earlier and I thought precious kind of precious is Chua. I like him. He tries to do too much. A lot of the time there was an instance where he had like a three on one fast break. He didn't give it to Van Vliet, tried to go himself took off too early and kind of just left the ball short. And then a couple other times I just thought he could kick the ball out and had a bunch of guys around him and he went up too much. So Raptors didn't get a ton of help as far as the next man up mentality from their bench. Boucher um, was okay, but I think I think it's pretty much over for them. I think the worry with the Sixers was that Harden might not play well and then they'd be relying only on Embiid. But as we've seen, Maxi has kind of been just as good as those other guys and it's not really all on Embiid anymore. And then Harden has turned into a distributing playmaker that has really been good for the team, so.
1: Yeah, um, the one thing that the, a lot of things that scare me about Philly. Um, one thing is that they just don't really have a lot from their bench, but they're kind of spreading out. Doc's been actually coaching really well this series, kind of spreading out Maxi and Harden, playing them together separately, so at least one of them's on the court, kind of controlling the offense. Maxi's not really that big of a distributor, uh, where Harden kind of is, so. Um, but I mean, they're, they're playing kind of the best that they can right now. I mean, they're Toronto's having a lot of things really not go their way. I think Toronto has one of the best home court advantages, probably in the NBA. Um, one thing as well is that Philly will be without Matisse Steibel for both those games or actually those three games, um, because he is not vaccinated. He cannot play in Toronto. So that could be a big deal um, uh, if everyone kind of comes back healthy for Toronto and kind of uh, – that's honestly Philly's best defender. So um, that puts more minutes where Maxi or Harris or Tartan has to guard maybe like a Van Vliet or a Gary Trent where they're moving around a lot more. So I don't know. It could It could turn quickly. Um, but a lot of things would have to go Toronto's way for sure.
0: I think Philly's only been playing about 10 10 or 12 minutes a game in the series because they know he's going to be gone, but he did have three blocks in 10 minutes tonight. Um, And then the other thing I think is that Philly has benefited a lot from Tobias Harris having big games. I think I said he had 28 in the first game and 20 tonight. I don't know if that will be that consistent. Um, And then obviously – We don't know if we'll get this from Maxie every night. So with Joel Embiid and James Harden, I guess you never know. Injuries could do something to Philly, just like they did Toronto. But at this point, it's looking pretty dim unless things change for Toronto. And I still still think they're a good team. I think this is just kind of unlucky. The injury hurts, and Philly's just kind of hitting shots at the right time. So, you know, they say home – or the – Series doesn't start till a team wins on the road, so we'll see. But I'm not sure that Toronto can win both these next two games. Uh, yeah, I yeah.
1: I I I just I'm not totally in on the 76ers because they have a lot of things that just really have not worked in the playoffs, counting just James Harden kind of not coming out in big games and Doc Rivers not being the greatest coach in big games but so far they've 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 proven me wrong so uh yeah i think that they'll need to win one of those road games um to kind of turn me off the ship but i still think that it's still gonna go six or seven i think it's gonna be closer to what people think um uh, since first since the last two games have been played and philly's kind of dominated
0: well prediction i i i want to i want to agree with you but we'll see I kind of think this might go five. And then the last game of Saturday was the Warriors and Nuggets. The Warriors kind of demolished the Nuggets in both games. Um, Jordan Poole has just been unbelievable. He had 30 points in the first game um, and kind of, kind of carried the team. Curry only played 21 minutes in the first game and only had 16 points. Didn't really look like himself. Um, obviously that changed in the second game, but – Lots of minutes from guys on the bench because this game was so such a blowout, and Clay kind of did what you'd expect him to do, um, 19 points on 7-15 shooting, and then Wiggins was also fairly good. I think the Warriors just looked really good as a whole unit. Um, I think you watched more of this game than I did. I was out at dinner. but
1: Yeah, I mean, just looking at, just putting both games together, just looking at, Uh, how well Jordan Poole's been playing these last his first two playoff games um, ever really Um, when they were in the playoffs a couple years ago he really wasn't even a factor he's a guy that's kind of built his way kind of all the way up he was a guy that was coming into like that bubble season was really like a guy that was playing for a roster spot like a CJ Ellaby type of player Um, but he put in a lot of work and just kind of just turned into one of the most efficient scorers off the bench, and now is playing starter minutes because Curry's came back from injury. But their starting lineup, and not their starting lineup, but their lineup that they can throw out um, at times with all three of them: Pool, Thompson, and Curry, and then have Wiggins and Draymond play the small five. I mean, that's that's a really scary lineup with a lot of offense. Um, Draymond isn't afraid to guard really anyone, so he can really. Guard any five really, so um, the way they've been, they've been playing, the way that arena's kind of been, uh, just the energy they've been producing, um, yeah, they look really scary. I don't know how they match up against Phoenix, that has a lot of wings and a lot of talent there, but I feel like they're gonna be uh, Western Conference Finals bound if they keep playing like this. Yeah,
0: we'll see. It depends how Memphis, what happens with Memphis. But as for Denver, Jokic had 25, 10, and 6 in the first game, as well as three steals in the block. So Jokic was good, but you can see he's frustrated. Obviously, he's just miles better than any of his teammates. Will Barton did give them 24 points in the first game, but um, as we saw tonight, Jokic's frustration got to him. He got two technicals and was ejected in their 20-point loss. And now that they're down 2-0, I think this series is over. Like, this is probably the one that I'm most sure is over.
1: Um, yeah, I think it's definitely over. Um feel really bad for Jokic because he's honestly the best player in the NBA the last two years. Um, and now, just in this series, he's going up against just, uh, I mean, not, I mean, guys that are just going to be in the Hall of Fame, three of them, um, at least, that are going to be in the Hall of Fame. And it's just, he really just has no help. I mean, Will Barton is his second best player. Um, I mean, Eric Gordon's awful. I, I can't stand watching that guy. He's not a very good basketball player. Yeah. Uh, he, yeah, uh, it's terrible. Uh, but, yeah, Jokic is kind of just playing 1v5 out there, and it's just, it's, I just feel bad for the guy because he puts all of his heart and soul into it, and he just he can't beat a, a team-oriented team like Golden State by himself. Um, and yeah, you can see the frustration with him, and then also with just the team Denver itself, just just fighting with each other on the bench. They they seem out of it. Um, I think the one advantage that Denver might have is at home, uh, high altitude. They might somehow steal a game there, but I don't think it goes more than... I think it's a sweep or a gentleman sweep. Um, at, at, like I think that's set in stone. It's going to be four or five.
0: Yeah, Yogic worked his butt off. The Nuggets had the lead in the uh, second quarter today, and we're even close within the first quarter in the first game, but Steph Curry comes off the bench in 23 minutes, scores 34 points on 12-17 of shooting. So... Kind of a ridiculous performance by Steph just after people were saying he wasn't looking like himself. And I think Jokic has just kind of had enough. I hope this doesn't lead to him, you know, asking out of Denver. I don't think it will, but that was, it was tough to watch. As for the Eastern Conference 1-8 series between the Heat and the Hawks, the Heat won the first game by 24 points. Um, they've only played one game at this point. He kind of just demolished them as a team. Nobody was really incredible besides Duncan Robinson, who shot 8 of 9 from 3, 9 of 10 from the field. Just absolutely ridiculous.
1: Yeah, very surprising for a guy that's kind of lost his role in Miami. Uh, he's always been just kind of a shooter, but he was losing minutes to Max Struess uh, throughout the year. Um, I mean, Gabe Vincent. Caleb Martin, those kind of guys. Um, but, yeah, he was very efficient. Um, eight of nine from three was just making everything he was throwing up there. Um, and I don't know, Miami's Miami's team basketball and everyone just getting involved and not one guy really stealing the show and just the defense they were throwing at Trey, um, they were probably the most I, – I was the most – uh I don't know what the word is. I they were the they were the team that I think played the best out of these games that I've watched.
0: Yeah. I think the Suns were trying to match that energy, but then kind of second half let the Pelicans back in, which made Miami the most impressive team. They kind of beat Atlanta from start to finish and like you said, just effort from everybody. There's not really any stat line that jumps out at me besides the Duncan one. Um, Jimmy was Jimmy. P.J. Tucker did have 16 points, and I kind of thought he was done in the NBA after after yeah. going with the Bucks, but it looks like he has still got it going, and I really don't see a chance in this series for Atlanta. I was kind of thinking maybe at first, but unless game two looks drastically different, I think it's going to be tough. Trae Young only had eight points in this game, um, one of 12 shooting, which obviously is going to be really hard to win, but... They just didn't have enough scoring, Atlanta. It was really only one, two guys who scored over 10 points in this game, and that was Gallinari and Hunter, which Hunter... Well,
1: yeah, they're two, they took out their two best scorers and Young and Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich was 0 for 8 as well, so they, um, yeah, they hounded them. Um, that, that arena really gets rocking as well for a game that was at 1 in the afternoon, their time, so... Uh, yeah, Miami looks really impressive, and um, you know I picked them to. I I was on Milwaukee, I was on uh, Boston as well, but I think Miami kind of. I think they're gonna make the the finals.
0: It's a bold prediction. I right, I'm not quite there yet, but I do think they're good. And- I
1: think they're gonna be. It's gonna be all hot hot teams. Phoenix and Miami. Gotcha, gotcha. could
0: not say, can't say heat team hot. Yeah, but uh, yeah, like I was saying while you were talking, um, interrupted you on accident. But the heat, like you said, the crowd goes a little crazy. But they all show up late, and they all left when all made that three. So don't give them too much credit.
1: Yeah, I won't give them too much credit. But they, the, the, um, one thing we didn't talk, uh, the, the, they always color code well with, uh, with, uh, the white. team colors. Yeah. Like a wide out or a red out.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: one thing. One thing we didn't talk about the Memphis and Minnesota is that is a series of great color schemes. Watching that game, the color schemes are just great. They blend very well together.
0: Big blue guy, aren't you?
1: I agree. Though. I love blue, but like the like the the kind of throwback that the Timberwolves give, and then the blue that Memphis gives. I don't know. It's a it's a very eye pleasing watch. Definitely.
0: I please and watch, but the audio was not good in this game.
1: Oh yeah, they had Stephen A playing it. Yeah. Stephen A was just throwing shade at Carl Anthony Towns the whole time. Yeah, it's tough to ask a guy who doesn't announce live games to announce, but yeah. yeah, but ESPN ESPN has been having some real trouble with their audio. Yeah. Um I like the playing game between the Pelicans and the 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 Spurs, I mean I mean not to say that I put it on mute because Doris Burke was calling the game. But they were off by, like, three seconds every time. Like, the basket would go in, and then uh, then they would finally talk. Like, they would, you could hear the basket actually going in before they talked. Like, ESPN's been having some struggles lately. So every single time I've had an ESPN game on, I've kind of just, like, muted it. It's kind of been kind of not that fun to watch.
0: Yeah, it's all about the TNT games. But, uh... I, I've, I've heard the same. I've heard some audio issues, and yesterday only half the game was really even with an announcer that was not Stephen A., so kind of weird. But moving on to the best series of all, Brooklyn-Boston, one of the best playoff games I've ever seen. Um, Tatum, 31 points. We'll talk more about those last two points later, but really a great performance on defense and offense. Two blocks, a steal, at eight assists, four boards pretty efficient. Um, Al Horford was also great with 20 and 15 really kind of wrote him off as a lot of people did a few years ago when he was in Oklahoma city, but he's come back to Boston to prove valuable. Um, Jalen Brown had 23 points and Marcus smart 20. They didn't get much at all from the bench. Um, Derek white came in and provided some good, some good defense and some good minutes, but um, otherwise pretty, pretty impressive game from Boston. Um, Obviously, Brown and Tatum both playing well helps, but Horford and Smart playing well um, also is is what they need. And once they get Robert Blooms back, then that's another, another piece to add to the puzzle. But Marcus Smart, defensive player of the year, Marcus Smart, um, making that pass to Tatum on the last possession surprised me. Did it surprise you?
1: Yeah, definitely uh, surprised me if that was Marcus Smart a year or two ago, you're definitely thinking that, oh, there's three seconds left in the game, two people coming at him. He's probably going to chuck something stupid up. Um, But yeah, he's been the distributor for them kind of all year and made the right play. Found Tatum on kind of an old school, just kind of, I think Tatum might've thought he was going up for the shot too, and kind of just went for a cut towards the basket. And uh, he found him great spin move. And, Yeah, buzzer beater. First buzzer beater in Boston in playoff history, which is crazy to think when Boston probably has probably the most games played at home in playoff history. So, uh, yeah, uh, great finish to that game. Um, Started as well from a great defense possession that kind of has Boston as one of the favorites because of how well they play on the defensive side of the ball. Um, And really showed from Jalen Brown – that game as well like Jalen Brown was not really efficient from the field he did score 23 points but um, four steals two blocks so six stocks if you put those together um, just played really well uh, on the defensive side and uh, yeah they're, they're a team to be reckoned with for sure um, but yeah Brooklyn had some good some good key uh, individual performances as well um, when we think about Kyrie and all that was going on in his head throughout that game, but uh, yeah, you want to explain the the controversy with Kyrie?
0: Yeah, so there's obviously a lot of things behind this. It's Kyrie leaving Boston. It's Kyrie, just the fans yelling at him. Um, it's Kyrie stepping on the court in Boston. It's it's the stuff he said in interviews. It's a lot of stuff. He's burning the sage. Yeah, he's just kind of a he's a weird guy. He's a villain, but I think it was. For the most part, pretty harmless. Kyrie did, did flip a few birds to the crowd, which is calm, video. Kind of weird. He
1: told a he told a fan a girl fan to suck his dick. Yeah. That's, <laughs> um,
0: but, um, <laughs> going back to the Tatum play real quick before we get on to the Nets. I do think that you're right, and Tatum was probably actually going to the room to get the board. And I was really impressed that he caught the ball and spun like that like I don't I've never really seen any guy with their first reaction to be to spin after getting a pass like that right to the hoop for the win It was a one-point game so obviously a huge shot um probably a shot that'll be in Boston history for a while but Kyrie 39 points um pretty much unstoppable every time he went down the court four steals as well so played good defense and I just – I don't know if they can get that from Kyrie again, but I also don't think Durant will go 9-24. of 24. So I think we'll see less Andre Drummond in this series um, just because he was pretty bad when he played, minus 13, plus minus. Um, but I think this actually, as well as Boston played, I think I'm more convinced in the Nets than I was before. Durant with six turnovers, shooting 9-24, I don't think that will happen again. And I just think that they'll get more production from guys like Seth Curry and Patty Mills in the future. but. um who knew Goran Dragic would be so good still?
1: Yeah, Goran Dragic played really well. Um, kind of the spark club that they needed. Um, 17, do you have 17 points? No, 14 points is plus minus was 17. Uh, so yeah, he played really well. Um, he's going to be a key contributor to the rest of the series um, and kind of what their game plan is. Uh, yeah, like I think Drummond's probably going to be taken out of rotation. Um, I think Claxton's going to kinda of be their big guy that they relied to. A little bit more mobile, um, with a guy like Horford, um, Grant Williams, those type of bigs. Um so yeah, um we know that Brooklyn has the star power to compete with anyone. Um but yeah, it's gonna be a great series. Six or seven probably. Um That's but I still think I still think Boston's got it. Um, with the defense on the defensive end to kind of just let those two guys eat and just nobody else do anything else. And that's kind of what happened in this game.
0: Yeah, I still want to say Nets and seven, but I really, I really don't know. It's kind of a coin flip for me. But, um, moving on to um, Chris Middleton. I don't know why I said Chris Middleton. Milwaukee Bucks beat Chicago Bulls. Chris Middleton with 11 points, Giannis with 27 and 16. Um, but the weird thing is the Bucks should have beaten the Bulls by more. I think everyone was predicting a sweep, and they only won 93 to 86. So, again, a really low-scoring game. And what stood out to me was that the Bulls stars, so DeRozan, Levine, and Vucevic, combined 21 of 71, and they only lost by seven in Milwaukee. Are you concerned at all about Milwaukee or do you think this was kind of due to the fact that the Bucks had 21 turnovers and the Bulls only 11?
1: Yeah, it was just a very sloppy game all around, very physical. Um, just kind of a weird game. Probably the game I least enjoyed watching out of all these games. Um, maybe because it was the lowest scoring, but maybe because um, it was just very sloppy. A lot of turnovers, a lot of Bonehead plays that type of deal, um, but yeah, scoring and shooting from Chicago was very limited. Derozan six for twenty five, like you said, um, was very inefficient for a guy. We've been talking all year; that has been scoring a lot and being so efficient. Um, but yeah, they got a lot of they got a lot of wings that they can throw towards those guys like Levine and and Derozan with. You know, we know Wesley Matthews is a great defender. We know Drew Holiday is a great defender. We know Pat Connington's a good defender. Grayson Allen's a good defender. So they got a lot of bodies they can throw at them. So I don't think the series. Both these teams are going to average under a hundred points a game. But uh, yeah, it was kind of a it's kind of a sloppy game to watch. It kind of flew over my head. I wasn't really watching it as much as I. Could have, but it was a very low-scoring game and kind of sloppy.
0: I agree. For how close of a game it was, it wasn't that interesting. Um, I think I predicted Bucks in four, and now I'm going to change it to – not change it, but I'm going to say I predict that the Bulls probably get one game at home just because I think there'll be a night when Levine and DeRozan deliver and shoot well. And as we've seen, the Bucks are not perfect. Lots of turnovers tonight, but I still think the Bucks will be better than they showed. Um, In the final game, the Suns beat the Pelicans in a game that was a lot more interesting than I thought it would be, actually. Um, Final score ended up looking like it was kind of a blowout, 110-99, to so an 11-point win for the Suns. But after starting out so well and just killing the Pelicans and holding them to only 34 points in the first half, the Pelicans really made a run back on the Suns, and it took a Chris Paul just Hall of Fame Chris Ball performance um, to lift Phoenix back up again. But Larry Nance Jr. was a big part of that game. I think, again, when Larry Nance was in for Valanciunas, the um, Pelicans just played a lot better. Valanciunas, even though he had 25 rebounds in this game, just hasn't looked that good offensively in the playoffs.
1: Well, He got 25 rebounds because he got 13 offensive rebounds. He's missing his own shots.
0: That's true. Yeah. Uh, 7 of 21 shooting for a center. That's pretty, pretty bad. So I think that 25 points, 25 rebounds is a little bit misleading. Um, CJ was good in this game. Not that efficient shooting, nine of 25, but he still had 25 points for a team that was struggling that much. I think it was a boost they needed. And then Larry Nance, 14 points, six rebounds, three assists also had a steal, but I think his, his minutes were, Largely when they were making their run back to cut the game to like six or eight. I think they did.
1: But um, Yeah, but um, Phoenix was very, very impressive this whole game. Um, Like we know, Chris Paul, great point guard, great leader. I would just say that he just needs to stay healthy. um, And that will kind of lead to how far they go. He always usually gets hurt this period of time during the season, during the playoffs. So I hope he can stay healthy because he is playing very, very well. Devin Booker played well, got 25 points. Um, but most, besides Chris ball, very impressive performance from Aiden, um, offensively and defensively. Um, was making a lot of jump shots. So taking Valentunas or that big out of the paint and kind of just... Playing really good, um, offensively and defensively. Macal Bridges as well. Just we know how good he is defensively. We know how he plays every game. Uh, so the Iron Man of the NBA. Uh, but yeah, team oriented. Played very very well. And a guy to look out for in uh, for the Pelicans. That kind of took the the Blazers pick away, but has been playing very, very meaningful minutes, and I think we'll probably be playing more meaningful minutes for them, Um, is a guy, Trey Murphy, um, another rookie who's been playing very well for them uh, the last, you know, the play-ins, and then this game as well. But uh, rookie out of Virginia, kind of a late... I think it was a late-round pick, if I'm not mistaken. Um, But he's been playing uh oh first round 17 so right so right in the middle after the lottery but yeah he's been playing uh playing a lot of minutes um you know 26 minutes in that game uh cuz like you said it was a very close game besides kind of the last uh spurt that the suns went on at the end of the game um but yeah look for a guy like Trey Murphy Larry Nance to kind of get some minutes and it looks like Jackson Hayes Devontae Graham those guys are kind of the guys that were kind of starting the year for them and flyers, but they're kind of coming out of the rotation. They don't really match up very well with with Phoenix. So, yeah, look for those two guys to play, but I still think Phoenix probably wins this in four.
0: Yeah, I could, I could see the Pelicans winning one at home, but I don't think they will. Um, Chris Paul in this game, 30 points, 12 assists. Just was incredible making – Three after three after three, um, just shots that you don't only see Chris Paul taking. And then Berker, twenty-five points, eight assists. And the guy you didn't mention, Jay Crowder, was very consistent in this game: one point, one rebound, one assist, one block. So I think he, I think something about like, he's the first player in NBA playoff history to have a one-one-one-one stat line. I'm not not totally sure, but
1: he's usually a very good playoff player too. So kind of surprising for him not to put up that he usually puts up 10 points or something in the playoffs He's, he's besides Chris Paul he's the most uh, he's had the most playoff experience for sure
0: yeah I think you're right but um, probably Phoenix and 4 we'll see Pelicans did play pretty well but if DeAndre Ayton has a concussion or anything like that from his hit with Herb Jones that could change things
1: otherwise I think Suns will probably close this out all right, I got a question for you. Mm-hmm. Who do you think had the most impressive chain? The lady in Memphis or Zion? <laughs> um, man, Zion's chain was
0: honestly pretty,
1: pretty ugly in my opinion. Yeah, but it was worth more than probably... Six figures.
0: Oh, I'm sure it was. Um, I wish Zion was on the court, but I'd say I'd say the uh Zion's chain's more impressive just because the girl who changed herself around the Memphis rim didn't even really get much TV coverage. They kind of purposely didn't show her. So I think they want to stop this from going on. Um, and they kind of just played around her. So probably Zion's, although I really wish that dude I don't know.
1: I'd be worried if I was David Griffin. He might hurt his back for how heavy that thing might have been. That's true, that's
0: true. Although I, I've heard Zion thinks he, he can play in the Pelicans now. But we'll see. Um, obviously, the 360 dunks he does war-ups are pretty impressive and show that he's definitely coming along. But before we close out, what, what has been your favorite series um, besides Boston, Brooklyn? Because I know that we're both going to say that. And then what has been your least favorite series?
1: Well, my least favorite so far has been – The Chicago-Milwaukee, I just don't think it's going to be that, uh, I don't think it's going to be that really competitive. I still think Milwaukee is going to win in like four or five, um, put a whopping on them. And I just don't think they're going to be, even if they are close games like they were last time, they're going to be kind of just back like just fight out like low scoring or they're going to kind of blow them out. So I mean, it's not really been that exciting with uh, that series. Um, but I probably between Me- the Memphis and Minnesota is going to be a really fun one. Um, and I still think, I still believe in Toronto. I still think Toronto can, can pull it out against Philly. Um, but I think three and now, with Golden State, I think even three or four of these could be four or five games. Um, I think Miami can win in four. I think Milwaukee can win in four. I think Phoenix can win in four. And then the way Golden State's been playing, I don't think that they can't win in four. So those four series are kind of set in stone for me. Um, And then the other four kind of intrigue me, um, especially if Luka comes back.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with everything you said. I think kind of four good series and four bad ones, but we might end up having five bad ones if, if Toronto can't recover. Um, with that being said, Golden State has still been fun to watch for pool for me.
1: Oh, yeah. Jordan Poole is super fun to watch. I think um, yeah. on the Nets series and the
0: Grizzly series. And then I think the Dallas one has potential to be really interesting, even if there's not a ton of superstar power. But um, anything else to add? Any more bold predictions before we call tonight?
1: I don't know. I, I mean, I really wish I would have picked Boston because Boston's just such a fun team to watch and such a fun team to root for. Um, yeah. Just with guys like Tatum and Brown and, I mean, hockey not like Horford. Horford's just a good guy. Um, and then being the Bill Simmons guy that I am, so... I don't know. seems like... I don't know. I never was really that big of fans of Boston. And then listen to Bill Simmons, and now I'm just a huge Boston guy. I don't know what it is.
0: It's contagious. I mean, I wish I picked them as well, just because, well, one, they're winning, and two, I don't like rooting for the Nets, but I did pick the Nets. Um, so we'll see. I think there's some exciting basketball ahead. Um, games tomorrow. Obviously, the... Memphis Minnesota one we ent- we mentioned earlier I think that one's be really good um, over
1: under there's a protest
0: <laughs> well that wouldn't be an over under but the the line let's say the line should be minus two hundred for yes
1: so what do we what what's next so we got what 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 would be a a protest that would they don't seem like they're gonna like run on the court and like touch someone or. Have a, like. I don't. What What do you think the next thing would be?
0: I or do you think? Or do you think? Or it. do you
1: think the Minnesota uh, owner kind of fights back and just kills a live chicken live on TV? <laughs> yeah. If that happened,
0: there there would be lot, lots of issues. But I don't think that'll happen. I do think there'll be another protest in the series. But I don't know. We'll see.
1: I anyway, no, no, I'm excited for that.
0: I'm excited for that game. But other games I, I mentioned I'd say are the Hawks and Heat at 430 and then the Timberwolves Grizzlies is at 530 and the Pelican Suns is at 7. All these times are Pacific times. We are out on the West Coast. So if you're on the East Coast, just adjust three hours ahead. But um, another good podcast, Carson. Lots of great basketball coming again. It's affiliated with the Rose City Hoops Instagram page. Have a great rest of your week. Thanks for listening, everybody.